0: Uh, Mullen mayonnaise? What? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Just do, m- do you have Mullen mayonnaise? This is like a this is like a my brother, my brother, and me Yahoo answers question where it's like it is. <laughs> uh,
1: Name it... all the vegetables at Subway. Name all of them. Do not guess.
0: Okay, you ready?
1: That's an actual no. That's an actual question from my brother, my brother, and me.
0: Yeah. I... Oh, I was about to do it, but yeah. Okay.
1: What's another <laughs> one? <laughs>
0: Welcome to Chapel Belter, a Stats focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And today we're going to review the beautiful Saturday down south against the swampy Saurians of the Sunshine State. Did that right off the dome.
1: <laughs> no, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doing it live. Good. The, old, yeah. the old,
0: old four take Nathan, that's what they call
1: me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So before we do get right into it, though, yeah. at the very top of the episode, yeah. I have something that I, I missed a couple weeks ago. And it's uh, our, our friend Barrett McDowell from GoMed reached out and asked for us to say something real quick to a friend who just had a, a, a child, a baby of sorts that people tend to do. His name's Andy. Andy, pause. who pause. is pause. a listener pause. of the show. What's pause.
0: up? pause, pause. A baby of sorts? It, a baby of like, sorts? That's like the kind of thing you say when you know that he had Damien the Antichrist a baby (laughs) just a baby just a baby all right i know nothing about a baby baby, just saying well okay you know what that's true a andy had a hypothetical baby we do not know if the baby (laughs) is damien or if the baby is a normal baby until we open the box and the waveform collapses and then schrodinger's baby either becomes the antichrist or a normal baby so continuing on just remember that as we're going through this
1: anyway andy and his wife ashley just had a baby who could say what the baby's agenda is overall but there's a baby (laughs) none of us none of us can say that no none of us uh but andy listens to the show all we wanted to say was hey andy congrats on the sex man you did it yeah and you made that baby just uh you you deserve a little bit of praise
0: from an egalitarian standpoint you fulfilled the most important practical evolutionary reason for sex so whether it was good or not really doesn't matter you can tell yourself that like just from now on anytime your wife gets pregnant you did a good job doesn't matter what the it's not about aesthetics if Georgia football has taught you anything it's that it doesn't really matter how you get there it's that you get there and so the point is to have a baby you know evolutionarily speaking so yeah it didn't look pretty and maybe like half the people involved had a left with a weird <laughs> taste in their mouth but at the end of the day
1: a baby popped out so good for you bud yeah hey trust the process Andy trust Keep the process damn it yeah Andy, and you know look, what
0: you might be you very well could be the James Coley lovers we don't know but it, you know what? Even if you are, even if you are running the inside zone run, and you have been for the last fifteen of your mar- fifteen years of your marriage, and your wife's like, "Well, damn, James Coley, first down, another inside zone ring. Jesus!" At the end of the day, you got that W, man, and that's what matters. You got that W, Andy. I'm I'm proud of you, man.
1: How? What? What better way to pr- you really just celebrate the birth of your child than to receive that kind of praise from your favorite stats Focus podcast about yeah, the yeah. University of Georgia football program? So, Andy, so. I, I need look, Andy, Andy, I
0: need you to just email us and we will send you the raw audio file of this so you can clip it out so you can just have this played at your child's uh, uh christening
1: <laughs> anyway because you're gonna want this sex. moving on you're, you're gonna
0: want this you're <laughs> gonna want to say like listen this child was created effectively and with high efficiency and that's
1: the <laughs> most important part and at some point there's an explosive play in there Buzzinga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah Ha-ha. explosive play rate of ten percent, but it it was the ten percent that mattered. That's that raw South Park humor you come to our show for. there it is. yep, talking about the sex all right, Nathan, tell me about your experience over the weekend <laughs> um I,
0: I I'm really so out of sorts from that extended <laughs> sex football <laughs> metaphor we just put out there that I don't even know. uh okay. <laughs> This is why you take notes, because somebody's going to talk about sex and you're distracted. Let's see. Okay. So um, I, you know, it was a kind of typical Georgia, Florida setup, I thought, in terms of experientially. Uh, coming into Jacksonville, it's always gray. It's always weird weather. It's always just about to spit rain. It's sometimes very cold. Today, That day, it was not very cold. It was just sort of breezy or whatever. So that was, you know, sort of typical Um, Redcoats kind of ran their normal thing that they run. We got into the stadium and right as we entered, there was a Blanco Brown concert. And so, well, like of one song of him singing that song that he knows and grab your love partner. Yeah, that song, Um, which was lip sync, which is like, that's fine. Um, But just was the most North Florida fucking thing ever. And that's no offense to, (laughs) to Mr. Brown, who. Is a very talented artist in many respects. It it was just the most like a gray day outside and a rap cowboy sings about grabbing your love partner. And it doesn't seem to make any sense. And it confuses everybody over the age of like, I don't know, 33, uh, including some of us who were under that age, honestly, frankly. And nobody knows why did this happen. Welcome to Jacksonville. Um, (laughs) So that was sort of just as you as one expects you know the thing about the georgia florida game uh, that I, I i sort of realized as we were going in today or this last weekend was that you know you think about how much these two uh teams and fan bases hate each other all of the hatred that they feel is a hundred percent borne out by the experience of walking into the georgia florida game like you go into the georgia florida game and you're like man florida fans really are some trashy trashy people but then also simultaneously you're like man georgia fans really are some <laughs> dumb belligerent red rednecks, rednucks, red whatever it's red whatever it is it's just really <laughs> weird it's like uh, it's like all of humanity's worst impulses like i love it i'm not I, it's no no disrespect to either side who just brought their a game as they always do but it is it is very much just like the milieu of people the sort of um je ne sais quoi you know the 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 feel in the room is it's very weird man and there's some real there's some real wild chaotic energy running through that place and not even in the stadium but like like in the like little under the big uh interstate underpass where they have this big like close to the stadium tailgate area and then over by the river where they have these like all these docks where they line these yachts up or whatever like there's just some really chaotic energy and i and it's like a mix of like sidewalk super fan from both teams you know like uh, a lot of people who live in shall we say more rural areas but that still Mm. have a lot of money Uh, but then mix that with like kind of the old money donor base of each school and then mix that with like jacksonville townie and then like a thousand very very drunk frat boys and just like the (laughs) kind of like scale that up yeah and it's just very much it's like if uh, the cantina from Tatooine only served Miller Genuine Draft or Natty Light, and the only song they played was "Something Bad" by Florida Georgia Line. That's what the <laughs> tailgating experience outside of the Florida Georgia game is like. Georgia Florida game, whatever. Uh, it's it's just very odd. Walking through it is odd. I mean, we nothing bad even happened. Like we just kind of walked through, and everybody was like, "Hey, look, it's the band!" And then we walked back. And it was very it was yeah. very good natured the whole time. It was just like the the sort of atmosphere was just just so weird man <laughs> um but then you know uh experientially the game was pretty tense in the first half until i had this slow slow dominant uh this slow sort of like realization that oh hey uh they just can't score on us and that kind of bore out almost all the way through the entire game and yeah so i was very nervous but not quite as nervous as last year which was weird because we blew out way more last year i just really wanted that win last year but then after the game we were right in the section where the players if you saw after the game the players were like jumping into the stands that was us that that was mm-hmm. happening to that was the band staff uh so um i got tay crowder's glove which was pretty cool you just
1: stole it right off him
0: no he handed it to me <laughs> um tay crowder threw me his glove that was really cool then Travon walker and i had this like big guy moment where there were all these <laughs> no seriously it was really beautiful I believe and you. this <laughs> this also happened to another guy on staff uh, to Alex who was actually one of the husbands on staff but uh-huh we had this moment where he like ran up and he like looked at me and you could tell he was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get all the way up there, huh? And he like looked at me and I like pointed at him and he pointed at me and then he jumped up and he got about two thirds of the way up. And I just like grabbed the inside of his or the outside of his shoulder pads and just like lift, 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 lift. And his little Mm -hmm. feet scrabbled and he got up there. And that was like a really (laughs) powerful, like, I know what it's like to be you, bud. And then like when he got down, you could tell he was very concerned about like, you know, I'm a I'm a division 1 athlete, but I'm not super great at jumping down from things, so I mm-hmm. don't want to get yelled at and break an ankle. So there was like <laughs> a little there was like a little um like platform that they had one of the TV cameras on in front of him that was about a foot off the ground. And it was he was like one he was like one or two feet to the left of it. And you could see he was looking down and one of his one of his teammates them's up. I didn't see what his number was, but one of the one of the other guys runs up and he's like, here, come over here, man. Come over here. And he like shimmy, <laughs> shimmied over, like big guy shimmied. And he's like, Yeah, dude, I got like 20 pounds of pads on. And he shimmy, shimmy, shimmies. And then he like plops down onto the thing and you can see he was like, okay, no broken ankles. And then he walks off. It was a very
1: powerful moment for me as another large human when you said big guy moment what i what i i I saw initially in my mind's eye was like you both looking at each other and having like a oh you yeah and it kind of was that kind of yeah yeah
0: it kind of was yeah and then um let's see demetrius robertson tackled my wife Mm -hmm. uh so that was good he popped right up there now there was no problem there um and let's see yeah it got pretty it was it was fun like there were a lot of people it was it was a, a real scrum and at one point it was just like me holding Trayvon Walker and then Malik Herring Malik Herring running down the field and doing like a standing like front handspring was the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life because that yeah. guy is like six three like 240 and he just like easily easily cleared that like not hard cleared that uh experientially i mean and look anytime you beat florida like life is good mm-hmm. so really like there was not the experience was great i was a real old man the entire time i went to bed at 11 on the first night and like 11:45 on the second night i was so, going to
1: go to bed at like 8:30 so i feel
0: you <laughs> yep um and you know and that's not even like me lying. Like I absolutely did just like go back up. Like having Samantha there and her being like, "But let's cuddle," <laughs> is definitely <laughs> like it definitely puts a puts a damper on my extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. Okay, Samantha has informed me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm I'm gonna edit her language here, and say that no 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 you can keep this in. So I, oh, that I was ju- for the the pause between. I've just been texted by an irate wife that I was also tired and it's in all caps <laughs> and I'm not going to repeat for the, you know, for the benefit of our younger viewers, I'm not going to repeat what she sent me, but I've been informed in all ta- all caps that I was also tired. Um, yeah. And then there's a lot of, there's a lot of other uh, expletives. Now, Now I have an all caps. Thank you. That's good. Okay. Moving on. This is the problem when you re- when you record in a re- in like an open floor plan house with uh, your wife on the same floor as you, you definitely uh-huh. definitely have you kind of have a constant relationship fat check going on. So how was what was your experience?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started the day out in Atlanta. I went out to Atlanta to go see my mom and my aunt who were in town to uh, go get breakfast and brunch. And so we went to this little place called Muchacho that is now on the Beltline off Memorial Drive and it is like a homemade taco joint um but like bougie like white people tacos kind of thing so it was good but it wasn't like you know there's two kinds of tacos in the world there's there's like authentic gas station tacos or like carniceria tacos and then there's yeah. like two fancy tacos yeah white these people were good tacos. tacos white people tacos um absolutely outstanding but uh, i was trying to figure out why there were so many people out like there were so many people at every restaurant and it dawned on me as i stared around the sea of people wearing you know blue and uh, navy and navy and gold was that uh it was a home game for georgia tech and it was their homecoming in fact they were playing pit that Mm -hmm. night and so i was wearing my my georgia jacket and my georgia polo and everything and uh it dawned on me and i you know I, i spoke my thoughts into existence and the guy in front of me heard me and he was like oh yeah it's georgia tech blah 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 you know we're all here for that Um, and then he made a comment about how he was so excited that the Georgia tech game was at eight o'clock so that he could, uh, celebrate the Florida win with enough time before their game. And my only response, like I couldn't come up with anything clever enough in that moment because it was just to laugh at him. Cause it's like when somebody, I don't know, it was kind of like a David and Goliath moment almost when it's like, David's like poking, 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 poking the ankle, um, of, of Goliath and Goliath's like, the hell what are you doing like i'm not even where'd you come from yeah of. why are we interacting it was but cute, then the though. ending of that story you know doesn't doesn't come to fruition because you know georgia did win they beat florida and then tech got stomped uh, at the end of the day too yeah. um by a, a very average pit team yep. but it's just a funny thing i was like what that's funny that's cute go eat your tacos like go go away i wasn't even trying to talk trash to you I yeah I, you it's like
0: <laughs> you get to the point where you're like i ain't even angry i'm just like no like what's going on man like yeah why why?
1: <laughs> why are you still mad what are you mad about why uh, Why are you mad when you could be glad why are mad? <laughs> it's only game it's um, only game why do you have to be <laughs> mad <laughs> but there was that and that was really great and we got back in time to sit down and watch the whole game and i was telling uh abby before the the episode started actually that you know leading up to this game and about through the first quarter i was pretty nervous and pretty like worked up and um just worried about this game and and i had been all week because whenever anybody asked me like oh, what do you think is going to happen and i was like i don't know but i don't feel good about it um and then i felt you know there was a there's a piece that came over me by the end of the first quarter that it was already happening and it was looking good wasn't looking much different but it was looking a lot more competent and it just felt a lot better and it ended up being better that's all that's all I really got to say about it. I just want to say good, something. Good time was had
0: by all. I just mm-hmm. want to say. I just want to say something. I amended my score prediction from the correct one to the incorrect one. I'm still counting the first one I put down. I said the correct score on this on this podcast, and it was recorded. Anyway, <laughs> did you have any other experiences that you want to, you think are bare mentioning here?
1: No, I just want to talk about the game now. Let's talk about the experience of the game. You want to hit? Yeah, some Yeah, I mean it was
0: so good. So so good, yeah. So I think they're um so. You know, I was pretty bullish. Hold on, which one, what's the good one? Bullish or bears. Bullish. Bullish is the good bullish. one. Bullish. capitalism is capitalism is a con designed to make us all miserable. Anyway, I was pretty bullish on Georgia before the game, and I'm certainly not coming out of this game feeling like any. I'm not. I don't really feel much different about Georgia. I thought that we were a top ten team, but not a top five team i thought that we had a pretty good chance to beat florida handily by a touchdown or more and that one or two breaks could lead us to you know kind of blowing them out Uh, and all of that happened right and Mm -hmm. so in that sense i feel like a lot of what we said on the last on the preview podcast is really validated by the results of the game um you know i think our defense played at an elite level and we were have been the ones that have been crowing about our defense being elite i thought that our you know, we we definitely uh, opened the playbook up a little bit more, and I thought the play design was a little bit better. I still looking at these numbers, and and this is I'm not trying to be a wet blanket on this. Anytime you beat Florida, it's a good day. Even if you if you beat Florida two to nothing, it's a good day. So, and in, in no way do I want to take uh, anyone's shine. I do want to say there are still some semi concerning offensive numbers coming out of this game, right now. The, the defense has looked really good on the day, and we can go through that a lot. But a little bit of concern on the offense uh, for me. No, so mm-hmm. defensively, when we were, when Florida had the ball, we really did dominate them. We held them for 278 yards on eight drives, 42% success rate, 24% rush success rate, to the point where they actually just abandoned the rush altogether in the second half. Yep. Uh, they had 2.94 yards per rush, 6.51 yards per pass. They had a 51% pass success rate. They had a 29% stuff rate. Uh, and they allowed a 14% havoc rate. Um, opportunity rate, let's see, anything else? Explosiveness rate, 15% for both teams, actually, but 15% for Florida. They had a 0% explosive ru- rush rate. They just could not get anything going while running. Um, you know, it it's kind of like a pretty complete domination by UGA. Uh red's going red zone red zone success rate was 43% well under their average for the game. They had five scoring opportunities, but only two touchdowns. So when they got inside the 40, UJA's defense did a really good job of tightening up. Uh the the success rate by down is really nice for UJA's defense. Uh Florida had a 52% success rate on first down, a 33% success rate on second down, a 22% success rate on third down. Uh, 67 on fourth down but they did only go for it twi- uh, three times so but the 22 percent success rate on third down was really really intriguing to me because kind of the story of the game narrative wise I thought was that Georgia did a really good job converting on third downs and Florida did a very poor job you know preventing that but really I think the key to the game was that Florida did a very very poor job converting third downs and Georgia was excellent on third down defense Um, anytime you can hold uh, you can let a team only convert twenty two percent of their third downs. You're you're in good shape. Uh, passing down success rate was twenty five percent for Florida, and standard down success rate was forty percent. So like I mean, when UGA does not have the ball, there's really not a lot to say about this team that is not. Or about this game that is not positive. I thought it was a very good defensive showing. I thought they got a little a little traction in the second half just by airing the ball out. And that we made some adjustments. Mm-hmm. In particular, they were really taking advantage of DJ Daniel on the slant, the quick slant. But we even adjusted to that pretty well. Um, I thought if it were not for some poor officiating, that and we can get into that more later, that we this game could have easily turned into a blowout. Um, you know, when Georgia had the ball, on the one hand, look, you score 24 points some very inventive play design. I thought that that play action pass for the touchdown to cager was just really a gorgeous play design. It Ooh, was well yeah. called. We ran it out of the same formation that we had run power heavy. We had like six offensive linemen in and we uh, ran a really beautiful, it was like a second level deception play too. It was really nice. We were running like a streak to, um, I think Pickens was the probably first read on the play and he was running like a streak. And then we had a wheel route, then the wheel route from I think Harry and cleared out the defender on that side of the field. And then Cager did a beautiful job running this like kind of like slow, lazy drag route that he then turned into a streak up the field, which I thought looked just amazing. And it was just so wide open that I I mean, like he was waving at it the whole like everybody except for that Florida safety in the entire stands knew exactly what was going to happen on that play, which I thought oh, was yeah. really beautiful um and so you know in that sense i think you know from the meta uh standpoint james coley really really played or called a pretty good game you know statistically this was not a good rushing or this was not a good uh rushing game for uga and Mm -hmm. the only reason that that disturbs me is that you know florida is better at defending a run than they are defending the pass than they are defending the run so we could not we did not have a lot of success against the weaker side of their offense now I know having Zaniga back at least in a limited manner you know really affects that but I I just still have some concerns if you look at this Georgia offense on the day split up by standard down and uh, passing down it's really not that great um there will there are some elements of it that are not that great rather so on standard down 71 percent success or 71 percent rush rate 71 percent success rates so that's very good on standard down uh, 67% rush success rate, 71% or 80% pass success rate, 6% explosiveness rate. So just very efficient on standard downs, which has kind of been like a uh, sort of a a theme for the year on passing downs, which is third and long, which, you know, you're right. Your success rate is still going to be lower on that, but like 33% success rate on the day, uh, 54% pass success rate, 19% explosiveness rate. 31% explosiveness rate pass. So I don't know. I mean, I I just think that we are not having a lot of success when we are off schedule. And the problem mm-hmm. is, if you flip that around and look at the original or and look at the basic numbers, we didn't do a very good got, job of staying on schedule by running, right? 35% uh, rush success rate on the day, which would be fine, right? Because obviously we're throwing really well, 50% pass success rate. Except for the fact that our coaches have made it so very clear that they are going to run to set up the past at any cost. And so, you know, I mean, on the one hand, it kind of works, right? You run it up the middle a lot and the body bow theory of like every time you run it up the middle, you're hurting someone just a little bit more. And then in the third and fourth quarter, you really start to spring it on them. And I guess that's fine, except for we didn't really have a lot of wrinkles in the running game until the third and fourth quarter anyway. So it's kind of a weird self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you're going to call your first two pass sweeps on the year, or uh, toss sweeps on the year, which, thank God, and you do those both successfully, you know, if one of them negated or whatever, you do those and have success on it, why are you waiting until the third and fourth quarter? It's almost like... They decide, like, we're going to run a lot in the first half so that we can set up the run in the second half and be way more successful. And that's fine, except for the fact that, like, it becomes self-fulfilling when you only have your sort of, like, interesting uh, rushing uh, plays in in the second half. When you only vary it in the second half, like, of course, you're going to have more success because you're running a, a more complicated and deeper set of plays in the second half. So it's like... I mean, I'm I'm definitely not trying to take anything away from the win. I thought it was a great win. I think it keeps our season intact. I think it puts us back to where the expectation was, you know, before the year or at the beginning of the year, right? This is still a team that has a chance to go to the college football playoff, and that is good. This is a team that looks like it has a pretty good inside track on going to the SEC championship, and that is good. Mm-hmm. If it wants to have a chance to win win any game after, you know, December 1st, or on December 1st. This team has got to figure some stuff out when it comes to running the ball. That is just that is the long and short of it. If you look at the rushing stats yeah. on the day, I mean, DeAndre Swift, 25 carries, 86 yards, 44% success rate, 4% explosiveness rate, 20% stuff rate. Only a 36% opportunity rate. You know, I mean, the positives, uh, short rush success rate was 100%. But, I mean, 36% opportunity rate, that's lower than his average. 20% stuff rate, that's not great. 44 or 44 percent success rate that is just right at average but that is your mm-hmm. best running back that is your f- future first round draft pick if that is all you can get ag- uh, get going against admittedly a good defense what are you going to do against an elite defense because clemson alabama ohio state have elite defenses they have guys as good as if not better than zuniga so like my concern is not like where are we right now right now we're in a really good place right we're we're, we have a very good chance of going back to atlanta my concern is Mm -hmm. when you're playing lsu and you have to score 35 points or even if you have to score 28 points what are you going to do because yeah i mean because that's the thing is that you know at so on the game um for this week We don't have the play-by-play data broken down on SEC StatCat yet, although we will get into that probably in our next recording. But it just felt to me like there was a lot of inside Zod Reid that was just not working. I mean, and that's fine. Like, again, I'm so happy with where we are. FTMF, how'd you like to bite my ass, (laughs) etc. Right? But if we really want to be who we claim we want to be, if we want to be Alabama... Right. We it cannot be enough to say we beat this team that we were more uh that we were more talented than. Because keep in mind, we are definitely more talented than Florida by just about every measure. Blue chip ratio, whatever. Right. You have to expect more than that. You have to say, how does it what happens if we play that offensive game against Alabama? Well, we don't win. Right. So I yeah. I, I still think, despite the play design improving, that we have got to either figure out a, a better set of inside and running plays change our philosophy or start executing a little bit better on this place because the competition's only gonna get
1: better yeah and before we start hearing people say or, or if anybody has the question of well wasn't the run game good enough and i i think the run game was just fine it was enough to do what we needed to do but we also had other contributing factors like for instance in the first half Florida completely botched their time management and gave up two of their timeouts in the first drive of the game in the first four minutes. And then that's why we were able to have the ball as long as we were, because we were able to just keep on running and running and running and doing and and just running the clock and um, substituting, you know, pass plays essentially for what our running plays would be doing in certain schemes to keep the ball uh, in George's hands and keep the the game clock running. So all this to say, at the end of the day georgia had the ball for 35 and a half minutes to florida's 24 and and a quarter so i think that, that was a big contributing factor and if we played a team that had better time management and we were trying to establish the run game i don't think it, it would have been as successful as today's performance would have right
0: yeah showed. so i mean look you you're absolutely right and the thing is i know anyone anyone can respond to what i just said by saying like well, I mean, if if if, right? It's a very complicated game, and if a bunch of different things happenly, then you're, happen differently, then you're playing a different game. That is a whole. That is a hundred percent true. That's right? football, right? That is football, and that's fine. <laughs> but I would just say, at the end of the day, coming into this game, Florida had what we said on our preview podcast was an average run defense, and like we've said in the past, if you have eight or nine in the box, or nine or ten in the box you can make most rushing attacks slow down. But the fact of the matter is, as good as DeAndre Swift is, he as a player is not going to replace Nick Chum and Sonny Michelle, Right? He as a Mm -hmm. player is not going to replace him and uh, Holyfield. Right? So like... It's, just, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, the re- it may be that the reason that what we've done in the past is not working as well right now is that we have a different set of talent on the field. And that's fine, right? And I also buy the argument that, like, maybe our wide receivers outside the cage are not as good as they were last year. I mean, there's not there's no maybe about it. They aren't. That's fine, too. So I know you want to run the ball, and I know you want to run the ball inside. That's totally fine. But we've been running the same two or three inside concepts basically without change the entire year. And at some point, that is going to lose us another game, right? Because, like, you could say, okay, the USC game, we lost because of tone- turnover look. Or we lost because we had a really bad day from Jake Fromm, a career bad day. Those are both totally true. But, mm-hmm. you know, I Jake Fromm looked more on in this game, I thought. he, You know, his stat line was much, much better, obviously. He was uh, 20 for 30. Two hundred seventy nine yards, sixty seven percent completion percentage, fifty percent success rate, thirty percent explosiveness rate. That is more than serviceable. That is, that is a good. That is a good stat line. And he looked good at times today, but he also threw a couple of near interceptions. Right. So, if you know that your wide receivers are going to make it so that your pass game has a lower rate of efficiency than you'd like it to, you got to come up with something better than running the inside zone op, zone read option out of like eight different formations. That's all I'm saying. And yeah, it's champagne problems that we're having this conversation, right? But winning this game, what that means is, well, now you're back in the college football playoff conversation. And if you want to be in that conversation, then there's a harder set of of questions to answer. If the only question you want to answer is can you beat Florida? Yes. That is the that is the answer. And listen, nobody nobody brings no, there's no person in this world who is brought more joy than the fact that we bought Florida. That we beat Florida. But at the end of the day, if you want to operate in the territory that Clemson and Alabama o- operate in, you got to answer Clemson and Alabama questions. So, yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> that's where I am right now, stats wise. Let, let me say one positive thing. Lars Cager, uh, eight pass attempts, seven receptions, 132 yards, 75% success rate, 38% explosiveness rate. That is elite. That guy's going to mm-hmm. play in the NFL. He looks so smooth. His catch radius is ridiculous. I mean, he's their decisions. And we have him and Holloman on the same team. Because that would be a fearsome, fearsome wide receiver core. I think really uh, what Mm -hmm. this game did for me, statistically anyway, looking at all the success we had passing it, was throw into sharp relief, A, how much we need Cager and B, how bad of a spot that Holloman left us in.
1: I think that uh, another thing that we were really kind of seeing, we've seen this last few games, and really it's just something that you know mm-hmm. other teams have to do against georgia is that they have to stack the box they have to stop yeah. the run game and that's what the last few games have kind of shown us is happening successfully which really puts a lot of strain on the passing game and this is the first game in this season probably where that has happened and i have felt comfortable with the way the pass game developed i think
0: yeah yeah i mean and i guess you know other than like the arkansas state game or whatever
1: yeah i wouldn't even count that necessarily like they did the same thing but it's not on the same level of of, of playing as these other yeah, teams yeah. have been. It's not an SEC team at the end of the day. And that is nothing to say against Jake Fromm. That's that's more to say about the way that our wide receivers are playing with Jake Fromm and vice versa. And so making sure that they're playing cohesively, they're they're doing the right thing. Because a lot of times over this weekend, what I saw was probably poorly run routes, um not getting enough separation, uh, you know, right off the blocks for the wide receivers and things like that. And there were a couple times where Jake Fromm did underthrow them because it seems like they're still trying to figure things out because at the you know at the end of that route it's up to jake Fromm to determine where he needs to put the ball if they were running the route poorly if they got beat you know et cetera, et cetera based off of what he sees and so they're still trying to figure it out they're still trying to figure each other out and, and their tendencies and whatnot now that's going to come with time that's
0: that's true that's true but i also think you know that jake Fromm just looked off on a few throws early in the game and maybe you know that mm-hmm. was just residual him being in his head from the last two games and that's fine he looked really good in the second half But ultimately, like one of my Mm -hmm. big observations on the day, and looking at the stats, I think this reinforces this: is that uh, this this UGA offense got better, and I don't know that this was necessarily a get right game. And you don't have any get right games left on the schedule, other than Georgia Tech, at which at that point, you know, the season's kind of been decided. So it's like, yeah, yeah, I feel better about it. I feel like we went a little bit deeper into the playbook. I feel like we had more success passing. Those are all great things, but ultimately even taking away the t- the touchdown that was uh you know called back by a penalty there were two or three other times where we pretty easily could have blown this game open and like won it as it was last year right and we didn't yeah. and i think a lot of that has to do with either execution or creativity whatever wherever you want to put the blame ultimately we we're going to have to have better numbers than this going into like the stretch run of the season
1: and the best part about this game the fact that we won you know, it means that we actually have something to fight for the rest of the season. Like the the season's not over, quote unquote. Ultimately, ultimately, you're right. Like the the whole point is
0: because we won, then we can have this conversation, right? If we mm-hmm. lost this game, we would not be having this conversation. No. Um but we didn't, and so you got to give them credit. And ultimately, like I think one of the other big takeaways, and we can talk, we can kind of move out of the the stats into just sort of like what we think about this game. One of the mm-hmm. other big takeaways is that this defense is if they're not elite they're the closest thing to it i mean they got guys you guys at all 11 positions you've got dudes who can run trayvon walker is coming on i thought the front looked really good jordan davis was a force yeah so i thought Devonte wyatt looked really good i thought that uh malik herring looked really good i thought jordan davis looked really good nolan smith didn't have a sack but he looked great running around out there uh you know Trayvon Walker to continue to kind of be like a, a third down and like revelation. He he is I think probably like a bigger, slightly more talented or slightly higher ceiling. Millie Uh Azizul Olajolari looked really good all the way through the game. Did and like yeah. that front seven congealing like that, combined with you know having somebody back there like Jared Reed, having somebody back there like Richard LeCount, who I thought also had a good game means that this defense is getting closer and closer and closer to elite to me really the thing that is keeping them from being truly like a top two or three defense is who is going to play opposite eric stokes because i think you know dj daniels is a very talented player and you can tell why they tried to get him as a junior as a uh, junior college transfer but he is giving up several inches to a lot of these guys So I really wonder, you know, um, we did not, we continue to not see uh, Tyreek Stevenson out there much uh, at all, continuing to not see Tyson Campbell out there. he, He apparently dressed and was good to go in an emergency situation, but was not totally over his case of turf toe, which can be like a really like lingering condition. Not fun. Yeah. Like when we get him back, I will feel way better about it because I think Eric Stokes looks really good but I think DJ Daniel would be a much better like third cornerback than he is second cornerback. There were, there were a Mm -hmm. couple of times with Swain where they were just like, well, we're just going to throw the inside slant to Swain and we're either going to get him on Mark Webb or we're going to get him on DJ Daniel every time. the problem is Mark Webb is like sort of a safety cornerback linebacker hybrid. So he's not quite fast enough to cover that route. And DJ Daniel is a little too small and not quite quick enough to keep up with Freddie Swain and like defend that correctly. Right. Um, or defend it consistently so I think if we can get Tyson Campbell back and put him in that second cornerback role and then everybody kind of slides around a little bit I think we'll this this could be a truly elite defense because I I think it pretty much even I mean even saying that even the light criticism of DJ Daniel he is still easily an SEC starter he's still a very talented player and I think he he should be starting anyway I just don't know if he's starting at the right spot on the field if that makes sense all right what, what were you you have all sorts of observations too what do you have
1: a few different a few funny things and i think we're going to get into them in the ask cbc's talking about just um refs and also um i think that brian harry catch is the best catch i've ever seen in a live game yeah it that was, was ridiculous. the coolest thing i think i've ever seen um and we watched it about 15 to 20 times we'll get into the my my other observations kind of in the the asks so i will wait to really roll those out until then but we have predictions some predictions of this game Let's roll them down and talk about where we landed at the end of it. So, very first prediction was over under one and a half toss sweeps. I said over, you said under. I think there were three that I counted on the day, but since SEC StatCat Cat is not out, I'm not going to go back and watch the whole game just to. Count I mean, toss like sweeps. I will
0: say, I'm very happy to lose that one.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That was more of a joking ask anyway. So hey, no, that one that one is
0: that one was one where I was like, please, please take this because I just <laughs> wanted it. I just wanted it to happen so much
1: Uh uh-huh the next one was 124 uga rushing yards that number came from the fact that uh florida was allowing on average about 124 rushing yards each game Uh, i said uh, under you said over we ended the day at 119 unfortunately and so that's going to need to change going forward if we want to continue winning games against teams yeah the next one was two and a half pass plays of more than 20 plus yards by uga we both said over that's correct the next one is two uga sacks combined that it is two uga sacks i said push and i got it i called the even on that one so it feels good um over under 200 passing yards is the last one you said under i said over and we landed at 279 which was a beautiful thing
0: i'm just staggered statistically that we won this game whatever though i'm happy it's about a
1: weird it. game it's a very strange game it's kind of like the, the inverse of the south carolina game in a lot of ways where in that game we were like, we should have won this game had it not been for the turnovers. I, I mean, uh, I, don't think game, we, I don't
0: think we should have lost this game. It's just like, I didn't know that we could win a game like that. Which yeah, it was just a funny thing that we did. Probably even more proof that we need to change the way we think about our offense, but whatever.
1: Very last one is the game prediction. And we, we'll, we'll say you got this right, is yeah. what you did. Yeah, you did we're going to give me
0: credit for this because I said it on air by God. You also, said twenty four seventeen to start, and then you I changed, changed it, it to thirty four twenty four. I just want to say I set the right score on air. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. There we, is can, we can we can give
1: it. we can give it to both of us. That's fine. Okay, my prediction was twenty four twenty one. So we'll take them. We'll both take it. There's plenty of football to play still. Let's go to our favorite, our favorite segment on
0: the day, and let's do some Ask CBC here.
1: We should we should do that. So if you want to get your question on the show, make sure that you get it to us before we record. Usually on Sundays and Wednesdays, uh, we Sundays say usually, but yeah, you know, when we're w- when we're just look out when for we're us. doing well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look yeah. yeah,
0: when we're doing well, Sundays and Tuesdays. And today we're doing well, yeah. so that's good.
1: We're doing pretty well. So make sure you hashtag those Ask cbc or send them to us in regular old Gmail, chapelbellcurve at Gmail dot com, or just yell them at one of us if you see us in public. The very first one comes from Ryan. Them dogs as hell, don't they? Yes. Them dogs as hell. Also, don't they? Uh, do you think that there's a good chance we can beat LSU or Alabama looking at the team after this game?
0: Ooh, good chance. No, not n- not at all. Hey, can we pause? I'd say there's a chance. Go, yeah, sure. Can, can, we, can we pause and go back to the, them dogs as hell, don't they? Uh, mm-hmm. My wife and I and Amanda Foley definitely stopped on the way home at the Georgia barn sign and took a picture with it, and so that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Anyway, I just wanted to say That, that. is really cool. Carry on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the... The LSU and Alabama question is something I've been thinking about, like shower thoughts, the last few days too. Yeah. And I think at this point we have a much better chance of beating Alabama than we do LSU. Yeah. I don't know how we fare against that LSU team. I think we we could
0: slow. I think we have a better defense than Florida, and Florida did a decent job slowing them down. I think. So I think we could Mm -hmm. get them to slow to. I think we could slow them down a little bit, but I don't know if we could slow them down enough.
1: The funny thing is like. I've been doing like the, all the, the mental gymnastics of like what, what we have to do to get to the playoffs, and that is win out, of course. But the thing is, I think that LSU has a decent chance of beating Alabama, and if that's the case, we play LSU, who could arguably be... They would still be in the top one spot when we play them in the SEC Championship. We beat them then. Is there a chance that they stay in that top four spot after losing to us? Alabama still stays in the top four spot, and we're looking at, from the outside in, at number five. Because our loss comes from the South Carolina team and Alabama's only comes from the number one LSU team. Um,
0: I hope not. <laughs> I mean, that could definitely happen, but ultimately... That it could definitely happen. Well, but the, here's the thing. Like, if you lose the SEC championship, it doesn't matter, right? Like, mm-hmm. you've got to go and then you got to win at this point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, next question comes from Abby. Favorite hot take on the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? They shouldn't move it
0: from Jacksonville. The, the, it doesn't matter that it's played in Jacksonville. The excuse... Playing it in Jacksonville is an excuse to have a party on a beach in Southeast Georgia, or Southeast Georgia for a day and a half. Mm-hmm. The point is not at all to play it in Jacksonville or not. No. Right? So, like, I think people who are like, hey, we got to, you know, like, it's a disadvantage, like, whatever. A, it's not a disadvantage. B, the, the only reason that Kirby and uh, Dan Mullen care is that they can't recruit at the game, right? If they could mm-hmm. recruit, then they wouldn't care.
1: Yeah. I had some some freshmen in the warehouse at work this past Friday for a volunteer shift, and they were kind of talking about, I was like, oh, why didn't you go? You know, most freshmen, you know, that I've heard of usually would like to go, and they try to go, and they were like, oh, we didn't know about it. We didn't know about Frat Beach and all this kind of stuff, and I was like, eh, I don't think you're missing much, but that's just my own opinion, is I would rather go to the game if it were in Gainesville or Athens, personally. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to go down to Jacksonville. Just, just my own hot take. <laughs> uh, I've been I there mean, too many times.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, like, ultimately, that's not the point, right? Because you can you can bear being in Jacksonville for a day if you can go to Amelia Island or Saint or you know Saint Augustine or Saint Simons or whatever beforehand Mm -hmm. and party on the beach, which is what most people do. And I mean, and and I think, like, that's my hottest take: is that people who want the game moved, like, probably don't go to it a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think it's pretty clear if you're there that we're not giving up any disadvantage being there, that Florida is not also giving up, and that that's really not the point.
1: Yeah, my preference only comes from I'm not a beach guy. Right. That's it. <laughs> I don't care about the advantage or the disadvantage. Um, anyway, do you have a poem to describe this game?
0: Yes, I 100% do. This is a poem that I would choose because I think it's... um, It, it really captures, I I hope, the sort of general atmosphere and tone of the Florida fan base today. This is called Success is Counted Sweetest. It's the 112th poem in... If you're just numbering Elizabeth or Emily Dickinson's rather poems. Success is counted sweetest by those who ne'er succeed. To comprehend a nectar requires sorest need. Not one of all the purple host who took the flag today can tell the definition so clear of victory. As he defeated dying on whose forbidden ear the distant strains of triumph burst agonized and clear. I'm not saying that every Florida fan is like a soldier dying on a battlefield, hearing the you know trumpets of victory and knowing he'll never taste it. But meh. Mm. <laughs> I'm not saying Pretty they're close. not that. I'm not saying they're not. I, I, I am I am saying that like the experience of having Dan Mullen of your coach
1: feels kind of like that, huh? Maybe a little bit. Yeah. All right. Sambo. Serious question.
0: Sambo is sitting next to me at the game and just 100 mm-hmm. percent uh like was losing his mind the entire game and i respect that
1: (laughs) uh next question is also how bad were the refs and he says pretty darn bad they were very bad
0: they were very Mm. very bad it was not just like a anti-uga bad they were just bad the whole day they were bad on all over the place they were bad at managing the game they were missing obvious calls they missed a couple of calls on review, which I, you know, that's actually the review. That was problem weird. Yeah. I don't understand that cager call. That was not a catch. No, like, I'll that was take not a catch. It. At one point after the review of, I think it was the review of the Herian call, which I think was a catch. After that review, when they called that a catch, they just zoomed in on a fan on the Jumbotron who is like a UGA fan doing the human uh, equivalent of the shruggy emoji. Like, well, we'll take <laughs> I it. I guess, whatever. Yeah. But also, it, it was just bad both ways because, yeah, that cager ball probably shouldn't have been a catch. But on the other hand, that uh, when they called back the touchdown on the toss sweep, that probably should not have been a holding. Like, yes, yeah. by definition, that is a holding call. But if you're going to call that, you have to call about five more holding penalties against Florida. On the sack, on the big sack that I think was by Jordan Davis, there were two holding calls on that play. Mm -hmm. It was bad, man.
1: And I just, ugh. And that one Florida touchdown that didn't actually pass the touchdown line? Yeah. That was super weird, too. They maybe would have got it after that, but I don't think that that call was right. They even reviewed that one still. Yeah. It was very, very odd.
0: Just bad reviews. And yeah, a lot of it just really bad and also just like if you were at the game they didn't do a very good job of managing the game from a technical standpoint yeah well we're past it now yeah but uh, but it is it is continued to be a problem i think what is i don't know what's going on with the sec officiating this year it's been a problem outside of our games
1: alex roger asks how fast can we get a campaign going for coley to florida state university (laughs) lol that's almost (laughs) certainly not going to happen but man that would be funny Hey, you know, if I was
0: going to be a bad person, which I'm not Mm -hmm. a bad person, so I'm not advocating this, but if I was going to be a bad person, what I would say is one really tempting, tempting person that we are not going to hire and we shouldn't would be Kendall Bryles. Hashtag just saying.
1: (laughs) Uh, Just saying. Probably going to be a common question. How do y'all feel about Coley following the Florida game? Speaking of.
0: I still I I, I don't know I, I don't I don't feel great about it I don't think he has much better of a feel for how things are going on this game or on the field than uh, Chaney does and I think he's certainly been less creative at times and I just like the situational play calling is still not good and I don't know if that's a Kirby smart thing or if it's a Coley thing or Chaney thing I don't know who the problem is so it's like it's hard for me to be like Coley is the problem I think Coley has drawn up some really nice plays. I think the problem with Coley is a lot more that uh, is a lot less with, you know, the plays he designs than when he calls them and what he's calling them. Or Mm -hmm. like when he calls them, like out of what formation he calls them, just the situational, the contextual stuff is the problem, I think. So like, I guess I feel okay about it. I feel okay about him. I feel meh about him, probably. Very lukewarm. Yeah.
1: Kale self. Can this receiving core become elite prior to, hopefully, the first weekend of December in Atlanta? The development of Cager is there and Blaylock looked good yesterday, but Wolf, Werner, Pickens, and Simmons just have not been utilized or targeted with any consistency?
0: Uh I think Pickens just has to get more consistent in running routes, and I think he can be a at least, you know, second, very good second option. Um mm-hmm. in terms of the tight ends, I don't know. I don't know what they happening. choose to call those routes. And and then in terms of uh Simmons, it's like I I don't know, man. I don't know if Simmons is going to happen. If that's going to happen. He might not. Yeah.
1: Jeremiah Purinton. (laughs) Could the Mighty Ducks beat UGA? And he answered his own question by saying in the second movie, yes. (laughs) Okay. I love
0: JP. I adore him. And I want him to be my tattoo artist. So I'll say if they were playing them at hockey, yes. The Mighty Ducks in the second movie would definitely win. But I would also point out that hockey teams field far fewer players than uh, football teams. So I don't know if they could even get a starting 11 out there if they were playing football.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And while you're at it, everybody go listen to Jeremiah's podcast too. They do something called the Fan Footage Podcast. And Jeremiah, I believe, is like a thousand-year-old vampire that is just bored of humanity. And he's just trolling all of his friends and family at this point. So Yeah, I I think so. If you like that, then go listen to it. Kyle Sargent, favorite road trip band To and or from Florida? Why is it the Cranberries?
0: It is the Cranberries. And to answer his question, my favorite song from our Cranberries road trip was "Zombie." We we drove down with Kyle and his wife to Florida one year, and for whatever inexplicable reason, we played the Cranberries like half of the way down there. We we just we just played "Zombie" and um. God, what's that other song by the Cranberries? "Linger." "Linger." Did you have to mm-hmm. let it linger? Did you have to Actually no, I take it back. I think I like I think I like Linger better. And then His I think the follow-up it,
1: question is you can only have one forever and the other one exists. Which one do you like more?
0: Uh, Linger. Yeah, Linger. Cuz linger is actually I think a good song. Let me say like total like total out of left field thing. Linger is a good love song. I'm such a fool for you. You got me wrapped mm-hmm. around your finger. Did you have to? Did you have to? Did you have to let it linger? <laughs> did you have to to? oh god i'm gonna (laughs) listen to that song oh god i'm gonna start listening to kate bush again aren't i oh jesus yeah you might
1: (laughs) um where does linger end and zombie start Though is my real question it's like yeah
0: they're all kind Uh, of anyway i know that i know that kate bush is not in the cranberries (laughs) but i just thought of that kate bush song this woman's work and this woman's Mm -hmm. work it stop stop what you're doing go watch
1: the music video to this woman's work it's fucking gorgeous all right hunter odom hit me hunter odom statistically speaking is there a way to bottle up this pure joy that i'm feeling right now
0: yes you just do it How? It's, it's called memories
1: <laughs> next question <laughs> similarly what is the optimal level of pissed off to be now that the game is over i feel like we can't let up even though we won right hunter Hashtag you're a a little pissed.
0: hold on hold on hunter you're a little younger than me and i know that but like you still remember when florida beat us like every other year right like, yes, they <laughs> I'm angry. I, like we could win, win the next 10 and I'd still be worried about the next one and want to like destroy them by 30.
1: Mm-hmm. Keith Schrader. What do I have to sacrifice to thank the football gods for Lawrence Cager?
0: Oh, like your firstborn <laughs> child. I don't know, man. Like it, he it, like no joke. Lawrence Cager is probably one. And this sounds like a hyperbole, but I think he's one of the most important offseason moves this year. Like, it's probably, like, Justin Fields, someone else I can't remember, and then Lars Cager. Because you could mm-hmm. see what happens when he's not on the field. It's the last two games. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lo-fi Alatuna Mountain Thunder is Jake Sullins. He asks, can you match a few current UGA players to Athens bars and restaurants based on skills, personality, and talent? This one's a fun question. Okay. Um, I'm going to say,
0: I'm going to be very, I, I, I don't want to, like, call out anybody's favorite spot, so I'm going to try to be positive with these. And, mm-hmm. I, I think Jake Fromm is definitely last resort. <laughs> yeah, right? that's fair. I I can super see that. Super good, super good. Maybe a little bit basic, right? But still, like basic. you can't you can't say it's not good. I mean, God, every time it's you go there, bangers. yeah, total yeah. bangers. Yeah,
1: man, they don't steak, change the menu because don't fix. anybody. do They, don't, they, they broke. don't need to.
0: Yeah, yeah. They throw a lot of high quality short passes, and they have very good <laughs> skill players. That is Jake Fromm. Let's see, DeAndre Swift. Is Max Canada? And let me tell you why. He's just okay. good. He's just good at everything. He's good at everything. He can. He's fast. He's shifty. He's got power. He can hit. He can receive the ball. He is. He's a bona fide all star. And Max Canada. That is. That is what it is. It. It is just good at everything.
1: And yeah, we I know go to the same Max Canada. No, 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 no. You're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. Listen, I've been to. Really, I have a very been, different opinion of this place.
0: I've been to some really nice bars. And here's the thing about Max Canada. The point. And this is another hot take for me, but the point of a bar is not the quality of cocktail, right? Because like if I want to go get cocktails, that's different from me wanting to go get bar to go to a bar. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. if I want to go to get a cocktail, I'm going to go somewhere place nice or I'm going to go to like Rook and Pond or I'm going to go to like Highwire, whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I want to go to a bar, like all the beer the same. And Max Canada is roomy. It's well lit. They have TVs. It's towny as hell. And everybody there is real surly, which I appreciate because I look mean 100% of the time. They have this inexplicably giant outside area, which is awesome. They tend to have pretty good service. And there's a bartender there who always does the crossword puzzle. And sometimes she lets me do her crossword puzzle with her. They have a lot of pool tables. It is like the Aristolian dive bar. I love it.
1: I I still call it Max Canada which is my favorite part of the whole I thing. I know
0: that it is technically called the Max but it will be Max Canada forever to me. Also, mm-hmm. let me let me re- let me clarify. We could at least say in the category of dive bars the Max Canada is the DeAndre Swift of dive bars. See, I think Cutters I'll give it to you. I don't I don't think Cutters is a dive bar anymore cuz it's like no, it's trying not. to be too nice, you know what I mean? Mhm. All right, sorry. I don't more. think it was ever a dive bar really. Yeah, yeah, it was just a really crappy bar that I went to in college.
1: All right. I'm trying to find somebody for Seabear. bear Who would Seabear bear be? Is there anybody that's, like, super... Hmm. It's, like, my date night spot. Like, I want... And Hot Rod... Hot Rod is probably Rook and Pond in my mind.
0: Oh, yeah. Hot Rod is 100% Rook and Pond. <laughs> oh, my God. He's Rook and Pond. He is so Rook and Pond. He's, like, weird. And, like... Yeah. I mean, he's good. Like, he's elite good. But you wouldn't know it from the outside.
1: mm And it's situational. Yeah. It's definitely situational. <laughs> I think... Yeah. I
0: th- Seabare is definitely oh, you know what it is? You know who C-Bear is uh I'll tell you this. I'll tell you one thing. Um I, I think that Andrew Thomas is uh highwire. Okay. Here's why. Because it's like classy, right? Real classy, quietly very good. And like looks like about a 35 year old. You know what I mean? Everybody <laughs> in high wire looks like there's 35, even if they're obviously 18. Everybody's like trying to look nice and there's like jazz music on. And I don't know. I I don't know why I'm like going into this narrative that like Andrew Thomas is this like dude who sits down and listens to kind of blue in the the birth of the cool by Miles Davis every day. But I just feel like he's a really classic. But he does now. I I just, I feel like Miles Davis, you know, backed up by Andrew Thomas on the drum set, just stirring the pot, that just makes sense to me. <laughs> and also, like, Highwire makes really good cocktails, <laughs> right? And that's like, that's, mm-hmm. they like very quietly make good cocktails. They've been around for a long time and people don't usually talk about them,
1: but like, there might be the first overall pick in the draft next year. Can Cade Mays, I don't know enough about Cade Mays other than he's just really good.
0: That's a very good answer. No, hold on. I, I, we, go ahead. We, I have, I have received from my wife a very good answer for Seabear from my wife. Uh, Seabear is Lawrence Cager in his mint suit that he wore to the dog Ooh. walk and the cocktail party. Yes, N- incredibly yes. well dressed, yes. like a man, not a boy. Lawrence Cager is a man, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like that's the kind of place like Seabear. It's like like you go into Seabear and you're like, damn, I didn't know he had it in him. Well, <laughs> this is right here the whole time. Holy crap! Why didn't anybody tell me? You know? Oh, wait, we got to come up with one. I think Ben Cleveland is all good, right? uh just s- steady uh, you know elite in, in it's terms always going to be there always going to do the same thing every time you know what they're going to do consistent application of what they do well and kind of looks like he's 45 right just like <laughs> most of the people who go to all good
1: <laughs> i like that okay let's move on before we do this all night yeah dude, uh, i think i think we could like probably do one we of could these keep for all going. 85 players yeah we might, yeah, we might even do that at some point. Okay. Liggestrom Dog. Hold on, pause. Cade Mays, oh, go whi- ahead. Cade Mays is
0: whiskey bent because that place is from Tennessee. Anyway, go next.
1: <laughs> that's fair. Ligastrom Dog. Is that how you say that? I don't know. I don't know. Over under on Mullen, reaching five losses as UF coach to Kirby before he is canned. Under all day. Oh, yeah. If he loses next yeah. year, he'll be on the hot seat. He might be on the hot seat then, yeah. Because that's three years that Georgia was in the way of their SEC championship hopes. So, yep. Kyle Andridge, what's the best way to FTMF?
0: Uh, I think just, you know, be yourself. You're a classy man. I know Kyle Kyle has good instincts when it comes to hate. He really does. Kyle's Kyle has elite hatred in him. Just uh, it, that man, when he gets on a rant. Elite hatred. And here's the thing. He's better at it than I am because he'll keep his job. Like he knows how to yell at uh-huh. somebody without cussing at him. And he's and he's like real charming, so he'll be like yelling at someone and like they'll be like, oh, he's funny, but really he hates him. And it, it he is he is the Tom No, Tom Brady sucks. He is the uh Peyton Manning of Patriot.
1: <laughs> there it is. Banshee Radio. Coach Smart's comments about Fromm. Who is he talking to? Uh Jake Fromm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, seriously, seriously,
0: hold on. This is my same take as last time. It's like mm-hmm. elite competitors, which Jake Fromm and Kirby Smart are right, they're not lying to themselves, but it's like you know, Michael Jordan talked about how he would always be looking for someone to be angry about, he was always to look, he would always look at for like an enemy or a slight or whatever. And I think, yes, Jake Fromm probably got some dumb internet criticism, he might have gotten some criticism from like idiots on Facebook 100%. But I don't really think anybody in the like greater UGA sort of like stratosphere of people writing and talking was ever like, oh, Jake Fromm should not be starting. He obviously should be starting. So it's like, I think that Jake Fromm had maybe had a bad psychological moment and had lost some confidence. And a very good way to get a player to play good well through that is to tell them, like, everybody doubts you, but I believe in you. And no, I I and I don't think it's disingenuous. I do think that Kirby Smart believes in him. I just think that. That's part of how motivation works. You have to put yourself in opposition to other people, right? And so what do you do? You make a straw man, right? If there is some criticism of Jake Fromm out there, that that suddenly becomes everyone. If there's some criticism of the play calling, then it becomes, well, you were criticizing the offense. Well, why do you do that? Well, it's because you want to foster a feeling among your team of nobody thinks you can do this, because teams who think that tend to win. Why do you think that, freaking Dabo Sweeney is running around there like a youth pastor talking about how like, <laughs> oh, everybody says that we can't reach, you know, a thousand dollars in donations. Everybody says we can't get eight people up here at the altar to play, you know, to to pray with us. Like, <laughs> it's like he's like somehow bad mouth, bad mouth altar calling at all times. And the reason he's doing that is because it is the management technique, right? It, it, it just works. Teams that are pissed off and think no one believes in them, a hundred percent of the time play better. I think it's Mm -hmm. just human psychology and so like I do think that Jake Fromm was having like he was in his head a little bit I think he was over he was thinking too much he was not just ripping it and I thought it was an effective it was obviously effective because he played better in this in this game and I think he'll continue to play better because Kirby Smart is managing him well but like come on let's be real right I mean Mm -hmm. you have to do stuff to psych yourself up and that was one of those things
1: what's better the ride home after first kiss or ride
0: home after beating Florida? Considering who my first kiss was to, I'm gonna definitely say the ride home after beating
1: Florida. It was Same. it was not
0: it was not Samantha.
1: And third question is: you guys missed a third and grant them over and under. Well, I think we've done it before, so we didn't do it. I mean, it would have been way over whatever number we put, we took, right? Yeah, I think he's twelve for eighteen. How do I turn hate off? Who said that? <laughs> <It's> Banshee Radio. <laughs> you you don't you stay pissed. Stay pissed. Hashtag stay pissed. Jonathan
0: Ashley are the rest consistently this bad year after year and the fans guilty of recency bias or is this year particularly bad? Can you find some referee stats? You know what? That's going to be a long-term project for us. Cause I, I do want to look into that, but I don't know. I don't know that they're any worse than they have been this year. I think they've been pretty bad for a while. I think some of it's recency bias, but I also think that they've been, it's not that there are more blown calls. It's that the blown calls are incredibly, incredibly inconsistent.
1: I also believe, and I think there's no real. This is just speculation. I also believe we're looking at this situation as fans with more information than we've ever had ever before. Like our ability to review the game also live is exponentially better than it used to be. And the the, the NBA actually had this issue a few years back, which is why they have such a uh, a super intense way of reviewing every single play that comes through. They actually have like a headquarters. Where every play comes through, they have cameras all over the court. They're watching everything everything so the refs don't get the kind of flack that football refs are getting right now. And I think that this is kind of like that social media issue. Um where, you know, for instance, everybody thinks that there's more crime being committed today than ever before, but truly it's less crime than ever before. We just know about all of it. And so that's kind well, of I think
0: they're gonna have to But I mean, at, at the end of the day, I think that the basic issue and you can ask, I mean, you can argue about whose fault this is, but I think the biggest issue is that the, uh, that all college refs are not full
1: time. So they don't, no, they don't practice not. enough. They don't have enough training. Let's get into our last segment of the show. The Dr. James Pierrefield troll corner. This one's presented by cheer wine. It's the wine that gives you diabetes. T M T M T M. James first question. He asked, which comic book battle would this be? Oh man. Hmm. I've run out of comic book battles a long time ago, James. Um,
0: yeah, you're killing
1: me with these questions because like, I think that
0: I, I think that this definitely fe- this to me feels like like every time Spider-Man fights Stilt-Man where it's like yeah sometimes they try Ooh, to make da- that Stilt Stilt-Man 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 it's like a running joke in the greater spider comic verse or whatever where like Stilt-Man is like this like really joke he's like a real joke of a villain who always just gets easily defeated right. But, like, mm-hmm. occasionally they'll try to reboot him or they'll have, like, Stiltman's daughter who's, like, mean and serious. Or, like, Stiltman will, like, beat up Spider-Man. And it's like, oh, that was a different change. But then at the end of the day, it's just like, well, he's still Stiltman. Like, Dan Mullen is the Stiltman of SEC coaches. It's like, yeah, I mean, he's a bad guy, right? And he has, like, powers, kind of, right? So mm-hmm. we should take him seriously. And then, like, when Spider-Man has his crap together and he's not, like, you know, just divorced Mary Jane or... Accidentally killed Gwen Stacy, he immediately beats the crap out of.
1: I have one now. So it's not a comic book battle, but it's a comic book scene. And it's something that happened in the last few years that was adapted to the uh, Captain America Civil War movie. Mm-hmm. That scene in the elevator, when, actually, it was adapted to game when Captain America goes back in time and he's there and he says, you know, they're all about to fight in the elevator and he says, Hail Hydra. So that was a comic book panel from a couple years back and a few other times in comic book history as well, but the one most recently was was that newer issue where it turns out Captain America was a Hydra agent this entire time. So the reason why I select this one or this idea, this concept from a comic book is everyone's bashing these refs and everything and they're super upset and that one catch... Um, the cager catch that probably wasn't a catch that hit the ground first. Um, And we're all like, how could that even happen? What's the deal? And everybody looks over to the ref, you know, at some point in the corner of the frame and he just says, hail dogs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of what I'm saying. Okay. I'll take that. That was, that was good. That was good. I saw you. I see you. Yep. You see where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. All right. Speaking of what were your thoughts on the officiating is James Beerfield. Second question.
0: I mean, again, inconsistent in the extreme and also just like, just not a well-managed game like if you were there just I mean one of the like sort of themes of the game was that Florida's offense just could not get its crap together like in terms of substitutions etc but like at times the refs kind of looked like that they were just in the wrong place man
1: is Dan Mullen still angry yes I mean did you see (laughs) he also hashtag stays pissed
0: yeah uh, Dan Mullen has done a pretty good job of staying pissed (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh mullein <and> mayonnaise what <laughs> hold on <laughs> just do, do you have mayonnaise this is like a
0: this is like a my brother my brother and me yahoo answers question where it's like it is <laughs> uh
1: name it... all the vegetables at subway name all of them do not guess okay you ready <laughs> that's an actual no that's an actual question from my brother my brother and me
0: yeah I... oh i was about to do
1: it but yeah okay what's another one uh, <laughs> uh what was your opinion of the heavily scrutinized offensive play calling
0: i mean i think ultimately it's like yes better in spots better play design i don't know that flow of the game situational play calling has gotten any better
1: all right which star wars characters would you equate mullen and grantham to please use characters people have actually heard of
0: oh that that's so boring (laughs) it's so boring okay fine um i'd say that uh Let's see. Grantham is definitely, um, oh, what is his name? No, see this, this is the problem. I'm always, I'm always thinking of deep cuts. What's a not deep cut for Grantham? Mm. Uh, You know what? Grantham is like, you know, I said this last week, I used this guy last week, but like, I kind of think that uh, Grantham is Nita. Like the guy who gets choked in the beginning of, uh, of the empire strikes back because he's always like red faced Mm -hmm. and he's way too angry. Dan Mullen is Jar Jar Binks because he's real goofy looking, but you just got a feeling that he's probably kind of racist
1: in some way. Everybody keeps saying that he is the Sith Lord. And then we finally see the movie and they're like, he was never going to be the Sith Lord. Yeah, he was never a bad guy. He was just an idiot the whole time. Right. Mm -hmm. But also
0: you just watch him and you're like, there's something off about him. He's probably got something there politically that you don't want to know about.
1: Next question, it's going to make you angry. Why is Luke Skywalker, the boy who did only pod races, a better pilot than Wedge Antilles?
0: Okay, the problem is Luke Skywalker is a better pilot than Wedge Antilles per the EU and per what we have extent from the canon, but he did not pod race. He drove T-16s, which were like tri-wing jump jets and he shot he's also holding he's also old holding baby a, rats the best part about it is the worst kind of like the or the best characterization in the movie uh, in a new hope anyway i think is that in the scene where they're giving c3po an oil bath uh one it's like he set up this like den for himself in this like garage basically and he's holding a model of a t16 but in the background you can see his t16 outside which means that he's the kind of dude who like owns a mustang at 18 but also has a very detailed (laughs) model mustang and is like which is like really good to me
1: anyway uh after getting to be around uh uf fans yet again can we get your unfiltered thoughts on them and their culture okay no you cannot get my
0: unfiltered thoughts let me try to be a little filtered here i guess i just i don't understand just their 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 whole culture of like weird beach like there's this sense of like oh we're laid back this is a beach culture but they're not well dressed inside of that beach culture like even by even by applying the sort of like oh well we're gonna grade this on a curve because everybody looks bad when they go to the beach right they don't do well by that standard right by their own standards like everything's just laid back here some of them still look bad And it's just kind of weird. Like, we all know a lot of Georgia fans are, like, really ruddy, pudgy people. That's not what we're (laughs) talking about here, right? That's fine. Insult us all you want. But it's, like, for a group of people whose sort of, like, stated purpose in life is to wear less clothing, they're just not even good at that part. (laughs) That's what's kind of staggering to me. And then also, like, it's just a, like, weird subculture of, like new jersey like jersey shore like trashiness in florida fans which is also kind of weird where it's like there's like you know you got your rednecks and then you got your townies and you're like sidewalk fans and like no one should be judged by their sidewalk fans but then there's also some like that guy is from new hampshire and is a florida <laughs> fan and that, guy. that guy over there <laughs> is from like long island what is he doing here? wait a minute he came down here for like a summer one time in 1984 and he's still here what is he doing just hold on it's just really weird man really weird (laughs) (laughs) all right that's our show see us out nathan this has been chapel bell curve if you liked what you heard here today you can subscribe hit us up with a review and a rating on spotify apple uh apple podcast etc and we'd really appreciate it if you loved what you heard here you can pay a couple of dollars a month and hit us up on patreon to hear what we're doing live and get the unfiltered version of everything that we do which let me tell you it is a hair raiser most of the time if you (laughs) super loved what you what we're doing here and you want to show it you can go buy some of our merch on etsy by searching chapel bell curve etsy and it'll pop up or just by asking one of us if you would like to get in touch with us, you can send us a direct message on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter by searching Chapel Bell Curve. If you'd like to send us an email, you can hit us up at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. If you'd like to send me physical hate mail, well, screw you. I'm not telling you my address. We will catch you in the classic city this week in our very uh, important match SEC matchup against the big cats out it West. Is, it is. The, the cats and dogs. Y'all. Yeah. Cats and dogs. The uh, inexplicably in the SEC, SEC East edition. But until then, go Go dogs.